Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is Current Events Monday. We've got a lot of stuff to go through, and today will be a little bit slightly more theologically heavy than uh, previous weeks, but, but I promise it's going to be relatable, and it's going to be applicable, and it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be boring and dry, I hope. Okay, I can't promise that last part. I, I don't think it will be. I'm going to do my absolute darndest, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jake said, you know, run wild, so I did I did that. That is um, a but quote. Jake, that, is a, <laughs> that is a direct quote from the text he gave me yesterday, uh, or Saturday, rather. And uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's what today is. But also, Jake put together some very interesting um, uh, uh, current events-related things that we're going to be discussing about Trump, about uh, candidacy, all that kind of stuff, all that good stuff coming down the pike. So lots to do today, lots to get into. Before we get into all of that and we start delving in, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And our verse this week is Psalm chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. That's right. We're back to two verses. Yes, we are returning to normalcy again. This passage says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Again, that's Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8. So, this is probably a very familiar passage to you, something you've heard, I'm sure, several times. Um, but today we're going to put this a little bit more in context. Um, and I'd like to discuss some of the context behind when this was written. And um, really the, the how do you say it, atmosphere, political atmosphere, cultural atmosphere of the people about whom this was written. Um, and in reality, it was actually, we're going to be discussing a few generations past the atmosphere that this was written in. So this is talking about where we place our trust, where our um, hope, our faith for the future. Um, when we look to the future and we're like, you know what, this isn't going to go that badly because what is that, right? What, what, what is that, that entity, that person, unfortunately, that whatever that says, you know, the, the future is not going to be horrible because of this. What, what's that thing? So some make that thing, horses, chariots, some make that the thing that they trust in, that they look to, that they say, okay, we have this big old standing army that's going to defend us. We have uh, the might of, of men. We have all of these things that are going to stand against the judgment of God, that are going to stand against our enemies. When in reality, we should remember, like our founders did, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's where our ultimate faith should be. And the inverse should scare the living daylights out of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. If God is not for us, which right now he isn't, what happens then? And we're going to be discussing eventually uh, later in today's episode um, what exactly happens and what it looks like when God is not for a nation. And we're going to discuss the response of some of those nations, incorrect response, 
and what we should avoid in our day to, to keep from making those same responses and mistakes today. Because, you know, there's no doubt about it. God is against America. We are under judgment. And we need to know what's next. How do we respond? So all that being said, let's maybe discuss Jake a little bit. Um, just uh, an example of A, maybe it's an example of God's judgment, or maybe it's an example of why we're under God's judgment. What's, uh, what's going on in, in current events land today? That's actually pretty good. Uh, the fact that, uh, and to answer that in a sense, to to say it, I think it's both. Uh, mm. So, and let me first give um, what I'm talking about. I don't know if Bruce briefly said, I, I think he did mention that this is about Trump. Yes, of course. Trump Yay. is always in the news. Uh, mainly he because he does way, a lot of dumbfounded stuff and it happens to end up horribly. But this week, right, the thing that Trump did, um, we have Trump uh, recently getting on and doing a doing a short video pushing against COVID lockdowns. Right. And that that's a good thing. You know, that always, you know, someone pushing against COVID lockdowns and someone pushing against um, masking and all that, that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It, it, the, the issue is what comes on later, comes around later. Um, Trump said in his video, um, and this is this is a quote to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom. Hear these words. We will not comply. So don't even think about it. Pretty good, right? Interesting. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, right, right. <laughs> um, yes, the left is trying to push masking, that, that lo- masking and lockdowns. And I did want to touch on this for a brief second, that that's happening now where they're talking about putting states back into lockdowns and starting putting states back into masking, um, that the CDC wants to put more restrictions on on that and more vaccine restrictions, all that type of stuff. <clears throat> However, that's not the main focus of today in what I want to talk about. Uh, the fact that Trump is saying that the lockdowns are bad when he himself put the country on lockdown. He himself is the one who put our country on lockdown and he himself is the one who made us have to shut all of our businesses down. Right. And also, also, he said that the lockdowns during that time were good and that he was very right to place them on people. Yeah. He told Glenn Beck that recently. Right. Right. He thought that it was a great idea. So, so now he's got this double standard, right? He's got. First, he says that they're good, right, during his presidency, that him putting people on lockdowns is a good idea. And then, yeah, and then even what you said, Bruce, he thought that it was a good idea to put people on lockdowns. Last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that long ago. Right, you're right. Um, and I will come back to that interview with Glenn Beck. I, I did want to mention something from there as well. But also, now he's saying that the left putting lockdowns on is a bad thing. <laughs> so there is no moral standard. This is a whoever is doing, whoever is the one enacting this um, 
this law or, or enact, enacting the um, these things is is wrong for who that person is, right? So if Trump does it, that's great. If someone else does it, that's bad. So there's, a, there's in a sense, a, a double standard. However, that is not all of the bad things that Trump recently did. Trump also, in a interview, uh, said some pretty weird things with uh, Glenn Beck. Not weird <laughs> things, just some things that should be questioned. Glenn Beck asked Trump if he thought that he could run a campaign from jail. Literally asked him straight out, so do you think you can run a campaign from, from jail? Like, what's, what's going asking. on here? Yeah. Of course, in, in his pride, uh, Trump told Glenn that he is never going to jail. <laughs> of course, that is completely delusional because there are hundreds of charges against him uh, and with at least one of them sticking. That That's to to put this into reality. At least one of them is going to stick. Well, what was it Steve Day said? If a line of men fires 100, 100 bullets at one target, at least one of them has to hit their target, right? Like, let's imagine they're all oh, yeah. pointed yeah. in the right direction, blindfolded, and 100 men fire. The, the Someone's going to hit a target, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of those judges is going to say, you're guilty, yeah. you know? And if it were, like, one indictment, maybe you could shrug it off, but... Four. There are four indictments yeah. with multiple with- charges on each of them. Yeah. So, not to mention that he has already had a mug shot taken, right? And and he he's created merch around it, um, which is funny in and of itself if you think about it. Um, I won't get into that, but also surrender like I did, <laughs> like I did. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and now. And this is this is not completely. I don't know for sure, but I do believe he is also now confined to Mar-a-Lago. They they haven't put him in prison. They haven't kept him in prison. Is he under house right? arrest right now? I think so. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm I'm not. Don't don't quote it's me possible. on that yet. Look, uh, people, look that up. <laughs> <laughs> do your own research, like we all. Yeah, do say. your own research. Um. <laughs> And this is what I want to say about these situations. There are more, there are more, right? There are so many other things that I, that I could cover, but for the sake of time and for the sake of giving Bruce uh, this time, I would like, I'm not going to cover them. Um, The innocent, right? The innocent and benign reason for Trump's actions. And this is at its very best. This is very innocent, very benign is that, first of all, Trump is delusional and ignorant. That he thinks that in his pride, he has clouded himself in thinking that he can win. Right? And it only gets worse from there. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that's that's exactly. great. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if this were at its best situation, would we want that person as president? A, a delusional and ignorant person, mm-hmm. right? Would we want that as president? Probably not. Mm. However, wow. what point, I do dude. want to touch on and, and do ask, I, this is a question more than anything. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of facts, but this, I feel like this is a question that we should be asking or thinking about. Is Trump intentionally causing discord in the Republican Party? Is this intentional? Trump, 
right? And it, uh, one thing that points me to towards that is Trump has bashed Ron DeSantis to the point where Trump supporters hate DeSantis supporters. There's an active clash between the two. So dumb. So both within the Republican Party are now attacking each other, right? Yeah. He has caused division in that in this party. And my question is, is he playing at a bigger game than we want to see? Maybe. Maybe not. Again, it could just be the innocent and benign reason that he's ignorant and delusional. And I, I wouldn't completely say that that's not wrong. I would agree well, that he true. is. Yeah, I do believe that he is innocent and delusional, but is it more than that? <laughs> mm. So wow. I will end it there and give it over to Bruce Dude. to take over the rest that of the is, episode. I mean, that is A, the shortest breakdown of current events ever, and yet possibly the most potent. Mm. That shows the decrepit, completely broken, rotting nature that is the Republican Party and the American people today. Mm. I mean, that, that's so bleak. And like Jake said, there's so much more we could get into there. Um, but my theological wrap up today is going to be more of a, um, the- theological discussion, <laughs> if you will, theological breakdown of a concept that I think based on the study I've done, the research I've done, this to me seems like one of the most important things that we could start studying and discussing today. Um, and like we always say, don't, just take our word for it. Study it for yourself. We want to give you resources. We want to get you asking questions. And so this is the latest line of questions that I would love for you to start asking your pastors, start asking the people around you, start discussing with your small groups, Bible studies, with your eldership, uh, people in, uh, you know, in, in authority in your church. This is important stuff. And that is don't leave the high places standing. Don't leave the high places standing. Okay, plenty of lame to go around. That's what I'm talking about in this section. There's plenty of lame to go around. God cares a lot about how rulers and civil governments act. So much so that he often doesn't distinguish between the rulers of a nation and the people under them. When he brings judgment or blessing to a nation. When he brings cursings through judgment or blessings to a nation, he often doesn't distinguish between the rulers and the people under the rulers. We are just as much the ones to blame when judgment is being delivered on a nation as the civil government is. And we're going to get into some examples of this in a minute or two, so just hang tight. Um, But one of the main things I hope to get across in this wrap-up is the idea of follow-through. Follow-through. To put it in Old Covenant terms, don't leave the high places standing. That's follow through. Don't leave the high places standing. Now, it would be easy, given what we know about Trump and his lack of follow through on so many political issues, and we could spend the entire episode just discussing that. <laughs> um, but his lack of follow through, we know all that politically. It would, so, it would be so easy to just say, hey, you know, dude, if, if you say you're going to drain the swamp, then you better do it. There we go. That's follow through, right? We solved it. We fixed it. We just got to find a candidate that's follows through on what they're going to do, right? But remember, I started out by not shifting all the blame on the civil government. 
We are just as much to blame as Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden's handlers, or Ohio, Ohio Congressman Max Miller. Wait, wait, hear me out. <laughs> Give me just a few minutes to explain what I mean before leaving a nasty comment calling us a bunch of nihilists or something. Yes, yes, that's actually happened. Okay, Kings. We know who you are. Yeah, we know, we know who you are. Just because we didn't respond to your comment doesn't mean we didn't read it. Kings and other people to learn from. Throughout the book of Kings, uh, the books of Kings, actually, first and second, we find examples of judgment and blessing. We find rulers who, quote, did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And we find those who, quote, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Most kings, like Jehoshaphat, did the right thing. They did good in the sight of the Lord, but they didn't completely follow through with what they should have done. First Kings twenty two forty three says, yet the high places were not taken down and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. It's kind of where I got the title of this from, in case you're wondering. Um, the really sad thing is that often it was the people who provoked God's jealousy and brought his judgment. For instance, 1 Kings 14, 22 through 23 says, quote, And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed, more than all their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places and pillars and Asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. R.C. Sproul in the Reformation Study Bible does a great job of breaking down what the Asherim uh, references there. It actually referred to a pagan uh, deity. And so they built pillars and idols to this pagan deity on high places, and then also built um, uh, these things on every high hill and under every green tree. And there was, there used to be in the uh, old covenant times, a um, connection between certain worshiping under certain types of trees at certain times of the year. Um, so they, they, in the high places, the, the places that they were supposed to have raised, torn down, they now constructed these altars to foreign deities. And then also in the places that were special for them to worship, they, they did the same thing. They, they made it rotten. Um, the judgment for these sins was carried out during Rehoboam's fifth year as king. Quote, in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shizak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Now this is important. He took away all the treasures of the Lord of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. First Kings 14, 25 through 26. He took away everything. Even though it was the people that basically begged for God's judgment, King Rehoboam was punished by having all his stuff taken away. This goes both ways. When action is not taken on the part of the people and the king, judgment will follow. Second Kings 15, one through five, quote, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, uh, king of Judah, began to reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So good king, right? According to all that his father Amaziah uh, had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and made offerings in the high places. And the Lord touched the king so that he was a leper to the day of his death. So there's a relationship between the people and the king. Just because the king does what is right doesn't mean that the nation will go unjudged if the people are doing what's wrong and vice versa. Okay, learning from the mistakes of the past. So most of what I'm presenting here today, I've, 
I've gotten from two books, well, four books, really, first and second Kings. <laughs> um, but then also this book, which is really good. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, first Samuel in the Midst of Your Enemies by Joel McDermott. This is prior to when Joel McDermott kind of started to go in a different direction theologically. So I can't really recommend any of his more modern works, but his older stuff was really good. I think this was done in like 2013 or a little before that. And so th this is a really good book. Check it out. And then also um, R.J. Rush Dooney, because I mean... <clears throat> it's RJ Rush Judy. Come on. Um, this is uh, Law and Society. This is volume two of the Biblical, in Biblical Institutes of uh, Biblical Law. Uh, so this is this is a really good book as well. So so a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is from those two books in addition to First and Second Kings. Um, but specifically learning from the mistakes of the past. National heroes. Rush Judy talks about this a lot. National heroes, even the real ones who, quote, do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, are not going to save us if God decides to completely tear down our country, which is looking more and more likely every day, right? None of the great national heroes of Israel or Judah's day, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Rehoboam, Azariah, and even David himself could stand against the hand of God when he decided to judge the people. And I think Rush Dooney summed it up really well when he said a little bit of a longer quote, but this is good. Quote, our relationship to Christ cannot be as it is to a great national hero. With a hero, we periodically honor him, declare our, our indebtedness to his accomplishment in history, acknowledge how basic his work is to our present advantages, and then we pass on. All we owe him is honor and respect. Having given this, we go our own way. Not so with Christ the King. We cannot separate ourselves or any institutions we create from his sovereign government and law without penalty of death. Precisely because of this, the law of God is our mandatory plan of submission and allegiance and the plan for our dominion under God. We can honor a national hero, but he does not command our lives. The Lord does. And that's R.J. Rushduni, Law and Society, pages 348 to 349. So our allegiances cannot be with any man. Quote, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Romans 3, 4. Quote, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Psalm 20, 6 through 8. This is how we learn from the mistakes of those who came before us. This is one of the many reasons God gave us the history of Israel to read today. We have hundreds of years of kings succeeding and failing. And this is cool with God's own commentary of approval or disapproval on how they ruled. And one of the most important things we learn from this is to follow the law of God faithfully. If we wish to avoid cultural judgment. He says, tear down the high places. You better make sure you tear them down. Okay, avoiding arrogant religiosity. As a note, I want to pull in one more Old Covenant example that will help steer us away from an arrogant and readily available solution. Okay, you might be hearing all this. You might be thinking, oh, goodness. Yep, we're to blame. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> God is punishing the nation because of what some of the things we've done. It's, it's pretty obvious. Uh, but what do we do? And you, and you can look for a solution and there might be a few readily available solutions, solutions that pop up that seem pretty obvious. But I want to help steer us away from one arrogant and readily available solution. In 1 Samuel 4, 
we're given a story of God's judgment on Israel by way of the Philistines. Joel McDermott breaks this down quite well in his book, In the Midst of Your Enemies. Highly recommend checking that out, which I use to delve into this story more deeply. And if you want to look into this yourself, the pages we'll be focusing in on are page, uh, pages 70 and 71. So check those out if you're, again, doing your own research, which we highly recommend. Prior to this uh, judgment of God by attacking Israel through the Philistines, prior to this, the people had done wrongly in the eyes of God and um, Eli, the priest, had as well. But they're still confident that God is on their side. Even through all of that, they still think God is on their side. They're confident of this fact. So they ride out confidently into battle against the Philistines and face a horrible defeat. McDermott explains that they knew very well that it was God himself who caused their defeat. In fact, in verse four, they ask themselves, quote, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? The remainder of the chapter tells us how Israel responded to God's judgment. Quote, they knew their success or defeat was in the hands of the Lord and no one else. So they immediately fell on their knees in repentance and sought God's word, right? Nope. Instead, they fell into ritualistic thinking. Quote, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant uh, of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. End quote. The Ark, of course, symbolized God's presence, and he often worked powerfully in relation to it. But the Ark itself was never a guarantee of God's favor. For the Israelite elders to assume uh, that the mere presence of the Ark in a battle would <laughs> save us from the power of our enemies was to abandon the true word of God and engage in fetishism or magic, end quote. And that's from In the Midst of Your Enemies, page 70. Hmm. McDermott goes on to discuss how this was arrogance on Israel's part. They believed they could control God by appealing to religious artifacts or traditions rather than repenting and turning to him with a contrite heart. That should be pretty obvious reading that account, right? This is a perfect example of what we cannot be. Returning to tradition in the church or politically for the sake of that tradition will not save us from God's judgment. The tradition of previous generations, apart from the truth they grew from, right? They were, the seed was planted of truth, grew into these traditions. Those were the flowers, right? But apart from that truth, those traditions got us here. They're, they're hollow. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Both Jake and I are very, very much supportive of studying previous generations and time periods where the culture was far more immersed in the word than we are. Previous cultures lived out Christendom in extraordinary, way, in extraordinary ways, and we have the blessing of being able to learn from them. My point is that tradition, apart from repentance in Christ, is empty. That's important. You know, we've read through Angels in the Architecture. We've read through Mother Kirk. We read through all these different books talking about the importance of tradition, how it's a good thing, how it's not something we should run from, right? The, the, the medieval Christianity was a beautiful thing, and we should study it, and we should learn how to replicate and take from it the, the good things they did, because that's great. And yes, that's tradition. But apart from repentance in Christ, like I just said, that is empty. Okay, my final section. This is actually working out rather well. We might end on time here. <laughs> um, my final section is God's law for the nation, business, family, and church. Here's the rest of the quote I wanted to include from R.J. Rushduni. Quote, we can honor a national hero, but he does not command our lives. The Lord does. His kingdom, his royal rule, law, and government will fill all creation 
and bring all things to their true purpose. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is only possible when man believes and obeys God in every area of life and thought. It is paganism, therefore, to believe that God can be worshipped on one day of the week, obeyed in certain areas of morality, and then abandoned the rest of our lives. We have no right to devise a do-it-yourself philosophy for politics, church life, the family, uh, and sexual relationships, economics, the sciences, the arts, or anything else. Thus, as we look at godly reconstruction, we must recognize God's total claims, and no area of life can be exempted from God's sovereign claims. That's from page 348 to 349. All right, so to wrap this all up, here we go. Stuck with us so far. Thanks. <laughs> Almost done. To wrap this all up, I want to leave you with a final summation. Don't leave the high places standing. Don't just expect to vote Republican, attend the right rallies, go to the right churches, or listen to the right podcasts. <laughs> you can keep listening to us, though, if you want to. <laughs> uh, but that's not going to win in the end. Yeah, even listening to us. Uh -huh, that's right. <laughs> that's not going to win in the end. All of those things is not how we win. As Toby Sumter is fond of saying, church people killed Jesus. Just being reformed doesn't mean you've avoided God's judgments on your land. We need to tear down all the high places. That means all our idols and it's going to take work. It's, it's going to take constant prayer, repentance, and devotion to reading the word. It's going to take sacrifice, which is very difficult. That's why it's called sacrifice. It's not easy. Giving up the best of your flock to, to God is not easy. But it's, it's necessary. Maybe we need to re-examine our entertainment, our hobbies, our close friends, some work activities. Covenanting with God is not easy, but it is good. Quote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Psalm 37, 5 through 6. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Psalm 103, 8 through 11. And finally, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. And with that, I'm going to wrap up there. And I'm only one minute over. That's, that could be a lot worse, right, Jake? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Final thoughts. Anything you wanted to add really quickly before we wrapped up? I did have something. The the very fact, and this is not at all to go against what Bruce said, but to add to it, the fact that we can respect war heroes, we can respect national heroes, but they can't be our focus. Like, we've had, throughout American history, have had war heroes as presidents several times. Um... One such being George Washington, the very first president. And yep. notice 
the fact that God blessed that nation. God blessed a nation where George Washington was president, right? And we, we see that today. We see that. We see the, the blessings that God put on our nation and we can see its growth. What we have, right, and we have to understand the the reason why it was blessed is not because George Washington was president, but because they the people of that time worshipped the creator, not the creation. So we have to understand, and, and George Washington pushed that, pushed towards worshipping God, not himself, not yep. the creation. So I, I did want to to point that out. Not again, not to go back on anything that Bruce said and and take it down, but to bolster it to say this. Here's an example from history where exactly what Bruce was saying happened, and it worked out. Yep, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget, check out our show website, which is trdshow.net. <clears throat> Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We can't uh, wait to hear from you. Give us suggestions, topic ideas, questions, anything you got. Send them our way. And uh, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening again. We will see you on Wednesday, breaking down a brand new book, starting the first couple chapters. I think chapters one through three, most likely, right, Jake? Yeah, sounds about right. We got to plan this sounds out. About right. We'll let you know. Yeah, read the first three <laughs> chapters by Wednesday, and you'll be on a you'll be on the right path. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll let you know um, if, you were, if we were right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. We won't be less than that. So, uh, but thank you all so so much um, for joining us, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday where we break down Prince Caspian, next book in our series. But remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>